Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Redeeming Productivity Show. This is the podcast that helps Christians get more done and get it done like Christians. Well, oh boy, it has been quite the week, uh, I'll just say. Um, you know those weeks where just about everything, everything seems to go wrong? Yeah, this has been one of those for me. That's okay. We'll get back up on the horse and we'll keep trusting the Lord and we'll keep marching forward. <laughs> but uh, hopefully I'll get this episode out to you on time. Um, my hard drive on my computer completely crashed. So thankfully I'd, I'd back things up, but it wasn't restoring right from it. Blah, 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 computery stuff. Took forever, so I'm having to redo the intro, re-edit the podcast episode for this week. But you don't need to hear about my grief and my complaining. You just want to get into the episode. And in fact, I have a very good episode for you today. I had on a guest, Matthew Everhard, who is a Jonathan Edwards scholar and an all-around awesome dude. Uh, he does YouTube videos, um, and a lot of the subjects he cover have to do with productivity, and particularly um, things that Jonathan Edwards, the, the Puritan pastor, would do. He has this amazing approach to knowledge management that we unpack in this interview. Um, Matt has implemented a lot of Jonathan Edwards' own systems into his own life, and it's just really fascinating stuff. So this makes a good follow-up to a few episodes ago where we talked about the subject of knowledge management. I really think you guys are going to enjoy it. Before we get into the episode, I want to give a quick shout out to the Patreon supporters. Thank you guys so much for supporting what uh, I do here with Redeeming Productivity. I could not do this without you. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate your support. And for the rest of y'all, <laughs> deadbeats, uh, if you would be interested in helping support what I'm doing here with Redeeming Productivity, you too can become a Patreon supporter. For just a few bucks a month, you get access to some exclusive extras and goodies and all of that. But really, the main thing is you're helping to support me making more videos, more podcasts, more blog posts like this one you're about to enjoy. So if you're interested at all in that, head on over to patreon.com slash redeeming prod. Okay, enough of that. Let's get into the interview with Matt. Hey guys, welcome to the Redeeming Productivity Show. This is the podcast that helps Christians get more done and get it done like Christians. Today, I have the privilege of being joined by Matthew Everhard. Uh, he is an ordained Presbyterian ministry and minister in the PCA. He serves as pastor of Gospel Fellowship PCA, just north of Pittsburgh. And he's also a Jonathan Edwards scholar, a writer for Modern Reformation, and the author of several books. Matthew, thanks for joining the show. Thank you so much, brother. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, <laughs> glad to be here today. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, I appreciate you making the time. I've been uh, a long-time watcher of your videos, and that was how I got turned on to you. If you guys don't know Matt, that's why I wanted to introduce you to him. He is uh, he has a YouTube channel, Matthew Everhard, and he has a ton of great stuff, but the topics often delve into things that we discuss here uh, with productivity and um, time management and a lot of awesome stuff on like note-taking and Bible note-taking. And so I want to cover some of those subjects today, uh, but before we get into some of those, maybe tell us a little bit more about yourself. You Have you been in Pittsburgh your whole life or how did you end up there? What about your family? Things like that. Yeah, I actually grew up in Northeast Ohio. Both my wife and I are uh, just around the Akron area originally. So we're Ohioans. 
And uh, then we spent 11 years serving a Presbyterian church in Florida. And then more recently, we wanted to come back closer to our family. Again, all of our families up here in, in the Midwest. So we wanted to get, get back up as close as possible. And Lord, the Lord brought us to uh, a wonderful church, Gospel Fellowship PCA, just north of Pittsburgh. So, hey, if you're looking for a church, come, come join us. We're a Bible-believing church from the Reformed tradition and love to, love to meet you sometime. Yeah, so I like I said, I know you mostly from your YouTube channel, and you uh, I I watch most of your stuff, and I love it. Um, Thank you. But one, of, I think the first video that I saw of yours was on the subject of Bible note taking, and mm-hmm. uh, I think it was about Jonathan Edwards' miscellanies. Right. Um, and so I know that you're an Edwards scholar. Uh, so maybe tell us a little bit about that and how Edwards has influenced your own thinking, specifically in the realm of, of Christianity and productivity, that intersection. Yeah, well, I discovered Edwards, uh, not necessarily by the route of productivity, but I had come to a point in my life where I was feeling super stressed, just worn out from ministry. You know, I'd been ordained for a while and just kind of grinding away in the local church and realized I was... Um, of a mess you know i was stressed when i was at work and i was stressed when i came home and i was also doing my my doctoral work at reformed theological seminary in orlando and the uh the guy who's running the doctoral program said something really important that i'll never forget he said when you're choosing a dissertation topic you want to pick something first of all that can capture your attention for you know several years but then secondly something that is so important that they'll talk about how much you loved it at your own funeral. (laughs) And uh, it was at that moment that I thought, okay, I've got to do something on joy and happiness because I really need heavy doses of joy and happiness in the ministry just to get, to get through. And so I had known from, you know, John Piper and others that Edwards focused a lot on the area of happiness. And so what I decided to do for my project was to study all of Edwards's major works on and related to the theme of joy, or what what he more commonly called happiness. And so my dissertation, um, you know, I just went through all his works, and every time I saw the word happy or joy or glad or delight, I just kind of circled it and took some notes in the margins, and then the dissertation ended up being a project where I sort of synthesized everything that Edwards says about joy and happiness. And so the whole project ended up being kind of like a salve to my own, to my own weary soul. And it made it so enjoyable to actually work on the project because I was ministering to myself, so to speak, or Edwards was perhaps ministering to me um, from, (laughs) from the past. And uh, that's how I really got uh, fascinated with Jonathan Edwards. And the thing about Edwards and, uh, you know, people who try to study his works will find this out, that they're so voluminous. There's so many things. There's so many sermons and treatises and letters and personal writings that you could just find almost any topic you want to and latch onto it. And probably Edwards has done something on it. And so that kind of brings us to the area of productivity, where the, re- the more I realized Edwards has this massive complex of informational storage in his miscellanies, I thought to myself, you know what? Um, I might be able to begin to capture that or mimic that in some ways in my own life. Because if you're a minister, one of the things that you know, you've got to have ideas 
all the time for your sermons, for your church newsletters, for your emails. You know, you're just constantly in search of good quotes, biblical insights, uh, theological doctrinal stuff. And so I just realized, wait a second, Edwards is not only a brilliant theologian, but he is an incredible productivity guy. And I don't even think they talked in those terms in those days, but uh, it's an interesting field for sure. Yeah, and he had a, a system. I mean, like, you know, I actually did an episode, I don't know, a few ago on the topic of knowledge management, which is the, yeah. the term people use now about, you know, having how you take in notes, how you store information so you can get it later. But he was doing that, you know, on horseback back, you know, hundreds of years ago. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I listened to that episode and it was great. And thank you so much for that. And as I was listening, I kept saying to myself, Oh, we've got to talk about Edwards' system of information storage. So you want me to just kind of introduce the concept of the miscellanies? Yeah, please bring that up. And I know you you recently did a video where you kind of diagrammed it. I'll I'll link to that for people too, but how those interplay with each other. I just, I find that fascinating because it's it's knowledge management. So yeah, talk about the miscellanies, how that fed into the other things Edwards did. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so um, Jonathan Edwards, when he was about 19 years old, 19 or 20 years old, he began a system that, for lack of a better term, it was his informational storage and retrieval system, and it was called his miscellanies. Now, he had several other ways of recording biblical insights and data, several different ways, and we'll get into some of those in a minute. But probably the most important way is he devised a system called his miscellanies. And that this probably refers to the YouTube video that you mentioned that you saw of mine where I was trying to explain how he did this. Basically, Edwards took a series of notebooks, just blank, ordinary notebooks. Some of them he made himself out of just loose paper or materials that he had. And uh, he started with the letter A and he took some, some notes on that. In fact, the first one was on holiness. And then he started with B, and then he went on to C, and he kept um, archiving all these various thoughts about all kinds of things, theological insights, uh, biblical insights, some things that we might today call psychological insights, although he didn't use that term, historical insights, and he got to Z, and then he ran out of letters, so he started over with AA, and kept on going, got to ZZ, then he realized, wait a second, I got to go to numbers. So then he started numbering these entries and he kept this system of miscellanies going his entire life. Uh, He was born in 1703, started the system in about 1723 and then he died 1758. So for the rest of his professional ministerial career, he kept on adding miscellanies until he had 1,360 or so miscellanies. Now what's interesting is that they're all cross-referenced in a, in a number of ways. So it gets pretty complicated because you didn't have a computer. So some of the miscellanies refer to other miscellanies. Uh, some of the miscellanies refer to his blank Bible, which is another means of recording data and information. Uh, some of them refer to his sermons and his treatises. And he would use the miscellanies just as kind of a storing place or, or a storing file system so that if he ever wanted to preach a sermon on the same topic, he could lift paragraphs at a time, even from his miscellaneous, plug them right into his sermons. And so you wonder like, how does a man in short life, you know, 50 some years, 
write so many works? Well, one of the ways is because he was a master productivity and informational storage expert. And I think probably somebody could do a pretty good dissertation on the entire concept, just the way he did it and how it could be applied today. Yeah, it'd be fascinating. And so with, with it, he would just, it, as he did his miscellany, it, he wasn't categorizing as he went, right? I mean, he, he would write, if he had a subject he wanted, he had some thoughts on, he would write a miscellany. Is that how it would go? And then he would cross, cross uh, tabulate them later? Yeah, that's exactly right. So the miscellanies, if you were to read them, let's say you started with A and you just started going through them all the way into the numbered system and then up into the thousands, it would seem to you almost as though they were somewhat random because they did, um, they don't necessarily come in blocks of like themed or categorized material. It could jump all over the place. He might be talking about baptism one day and then heaven the next day. And then the next day, some weird insight on Leviticus. And if you were to read them like that, they would just come across as totally random. But uh, they are interesting to read, and I certainly wouldn't discourage uh, readers from doing so, because each one of them is, is rather, most of them, for the most part, are pretty short. We're talking one to five paragraphs of ideas on a particular topic. And then if you find an area of interest, then the nice part is that Edwards has done most of the work of cross-referencing them to others. So for instance, when I was doing my dissertation on happiness, I was very interested in the number of miscellanies on the concept of, of happiness or joy, or sometimes he'd call it the happiness of heaven. And so um, it's a little frustrating because Miscellany three is on that, so is number 95. Uh, but you're definitely jumping along like a, like a, a thread being, being threaded through. So there's no logical procession throughout the miscellanies, but they are cross-referenced in a number of other works. And, and maybe at this point, I should introduce a couple of the ways that he synthesized this material. So one of the ways is that he had a particular Bible that very famous Bible called his Blank Bible. It's very unusual. It's completely unique. And the, the Blank Bible um, was actually a big, huge blank journal sewn into a King James version, a very small King James version of the Bible, so that every other page was scripture and then every other page is blank. And so the blank Bible kind of serves as the index for a number of his systems. The miscellaneous is one system, we can get into some others, but the blank Bible would be a way of finding material based on its scriptural root. So for instance, if you were to look at Genesis chapter one, he might have some notes on that text, but then he would also cross-reference various of the miscellaneous pertaining to the topic of creation. So that would almost serve as the index to the whole system of the miscellanies because these, these works were all cross-referenced to one another. That's fascinating. <laughs> and yeah. so then, then the outpouring of that would be into his sermons and, and other things, right? He, he, he's amassing this base of, of knowledge and his thoughts on different parts of scripture and psychology and things like that, like you said. Mm -hmm. And then when he goes to write on a topic, he basically has a giant well to draw from. 
Yeah, exactly. And, and what we know about Jonathan Edwards is that when he came to the time to write his major treatises, uh, Edwards has some major works besides preaching every week. He was a local church pastor, but he also wrote some very important theological works. Just to name a couple of them, uh, his work on the freedom of the will right. explores the relationship between the sovereignty of God and human responsibility. It's one of the most important works on that topic. But Edwards didn't just sit down and start chapter one, freedom of the will, and move on through the work. He had already been doing the research for that project for a number of years. And so it's really interesting that when you begin to look at um, several of the miscellanies on that topic, you'll realize, hey, this is like a proto chapter of freedom of the will. It's already been thought out. So the miscellanies were never themselves intended to be published. Uh, they are published now, and you can read them all for free on um, edwards.yale.edu, which is the site where all of Edwards' information is posted. Um, but for him, they were his, his blank slates or his drawing boards where he would test out ideas, and then those ideas would be further refined in his thoughts as he would plug those concepts. Again, sometimes a paragraph, two, five pages at a time, he would plug them straight into his major treatises. And that's how he was able to be so incredibly productive in his writing career over the long haul. That's amazing. It's so funny because, you know, like I mentioned, the subject knowledge management, it's kind of popular right now in the you know, productivity space. People, there's a lot of new tools that are coming out for it. Rome Research is a big one that that, as I mentioned a few episodes ago, the the concept of developing a Zadelkistan, I think is how you say it. Mm -hmm. And Edwards was doing that just purely independent of all of those things. He recognized the need for some sort of way to organically capture ideas as they come to you. And then later, uh, you know, cross-reference them to other things and pull them in where they need to go. Um, you imagine what he could have done if he had uh, a computer, you know, <laughs> that, that yeah. all the, all the time flipping back and forth and all of that. Um, it's just, mm. it's fascinating to me that, you know, we, we know that Edwards is, was a genius, um, mm -hmm. even, a, even mm -hmm. apart from being a theological genius, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people have speculated he's probably one of the, uh, the smartest philosophers, American philosophers. Um, but it's just interesting that even in this, even in how he would go about capturing information, he, he was ahead of his time. Yeah, that's right. He, he's definitely an unqualified genius. We can say that for sure. And many Edwards scholars are actually frustrated by the fact that he was a local church pastor because some people think uh, that he threw his life away on the local church, whereas he could have been doing philosophy full time. Uh, but those of us who, who love Christ and serve the church, we, we are very thankful that he spent his life primarily as a local pastor. And if you were to ask him, what do you do for a living? He'd say, I'm a pastor. He wouldn't necessarily say, I'm a philosopher, because he saw everything that he did as an outworking of his devotion to Christ and to, and to the church. Um, was the so, higher calling. Yeah, for sure. And he definitely thought that that was so. Now to return to some of his other means of informational storage, because so far I've mentioned two, uh, the right. miscellanies and the blank Bible, and certainly those two documents have a great dependence and cross-referencing 
on from one to the other. But Edwards also had several other very important notebooks that he also used for, for information storage. And so some of his interests um, kind of began to take on a life of their own. And so he would dedicate individualized notebooks to those topics too. So uh, I'll just throw out a couple of them. One of them uh, he calls images or shadows of divine things. And this is an entire notebook based on the biblical concept of typology. And a type, excuse me, is, um, it's kind of like a, a, um, a visual foreshadowing of something yet to come or a, sim a symbol through something visual or historic, even a person that in some ways captures a, a theological concept bigger than itself. So for instance, we might say um, that the ark, the ark of Noah is a type of God's redeeming grace for his elect people. Uh, so obviously the ark is a historic event. God saved his people through a literal event of flood, but in some ways the ark takes on a meaning greater than itself in that it serves as a model for, for all redemption from judgment. And so Edward saw types and shadows not only in the scriptures, but here's the unique part. He also saw them everywhere in creation, just around it's all around the, the farm, around the church. Uh, for instance, he would say that every time uh, the rooster crows in the morning, that is a type of gospel ministers screaming for the world to wake up out of their slumber and be called to the saving grace and the gospel. And so he had an entire notebook dedicated to images and types. And of course, you're not surprised to hear that that notebook was cross-referenced to the blank Bible and to the miscellanies. So these notebooks all refer to each other. He had an entire series of notebooks on uh, notes on the apocalypse. Edwards was a post-millennialist by conviction. And so he was constantly looking for uh, proofs that the millennium was soon to be upon the world, possibly even beginning in New England. That was his conviction. And so he's got an entire series of notes on Revelation and Daniel and trying to find fulfillments in the, the events of his day. So he's got an entire book called Notes on the Apocalypse. And then he even has another notebook called just Notes on Scripture. And like the blank Bible, um, it just goes through ideas, thoughts, references, quotes from other theologians where he tries to capture information uh, on virtually every passage of the Bible. The blank Bible was probably the main, most important um, source because it serves as, as kind of the index. But its limitation was that even, even though every other page was blank and he had a lot of writing room, still wasn't enough. That's why he had to pour out into other notebooks. Um, and so he, he kept on creating these series of other notebooks. But the key concept and where it relates to to our, our mutual shared interest here is the cross-referencing of themed material throughout the entire corpus. That's important to Edwards. Right. And you've done some of this, I mean, I know from your videos, you've kind of implemented some of these things. And um, ha have you done that pen and paper the same kind of way? What, what ways have you adapted what, um, what he's done? Yeah, so um, I'm trying to do 
as kind of a personal project exactly what Edwards did. So I have a couple of important notebooks. I don't have quite as many as Edwards did. So in some ways, my system is simpler. Um, but I have started a handwritten miscellaneous book. It's right here. I just brought it just to show the audience. It's just a hardbound blank notebook. And so far, I have 96 miscellanies on various topics. I just wrote miscellany 96 this morning. Uh, it was on the, the hard heart of Pharaoh. So just thinking through some of those issues related to, you know, God hardening Pharaoh's heart or Pharaoh hardening his own heart. Sometimes it just says his heart was hardened. And so whenever I come up to a topic like that, I can just go back to miscellany 96 and um, continue to add to that topic. So the most obvious way I'm borrowing from Edwards' system is through the creation of a miscellaneous notebook. Mm -hmm. And in the beginning of that notebook, I have a, a table of contents where I will list out what subject matter is in its primary scripture reference. Okay, so that's the one thing. Now I'll go to the next thing, which is even more important. And that's just, that's just my Bible, right? I got my Bible. And I advocate for the use of wide margin Bibles when possible, just because they have a little extra room in the margins. And so uh, just by way of, for instance, I mentioned miscellany 96 refers to the hard heart of Pharaoh. And so I'm going to make a note of that miscellany in the margin of my Bible, miscellany 96. And so whenever I'm reading my Bible and I come to Exodus 4.21, where it mentions that God hardened Pharaoh's heart, there's a note, miscellany 96. I'm like, oh, yeah, I have a whole series of thoughts on this very topic. So I don't have to cram everything into this tiny little space on the side of my Bible. It just mm -hmm. refers me over to my notebook. That's I mean, that's brilliant in its simplicity, too. It's so you, easy. Like, my Bible's all got, you know, trying to write paragraphs of text in the tiny, in those little micron pens, you know, the archiving yeah. pens. Yeah. And to have, to use, you basically have two indexes. You're indexing based on scripture passage and then based right. on your miscellany number. And using those two together basically gives you unlimited um, uh, cross-reference ability. It's, it's pretty genius. Yeah, that's right. And then you never run out of paper because mm -hmm. once you fill up a notebook, you just move on to the next notebook. And as long as you're writing them in the margin of your Bible, then you'll always have them in order of, of canonical information through the scriptures, but then you also have them based on theme in the, uh, in the miscellaneous. Now, let me show you one other thing too. Yeah. Maybe, your, maybe your hearers already know about this, but uh, Crossway actually puts out a big blank Bible. And it actually mentions that Jonathan Edwards is sort of the, the inspiration huh. for this. For this they actually make one of these. So if you're interested in having a blank Bible, then you can go buy one. And, uh, so and that's every other page, page, just like Edwards was? Yes. So here, I'll show, I'll show it to you. All right. So if you can see this, I don't know if you can see that. You got the blank yeah. page over here. This is all my notes. And then here's just your scripture text on on this side of the page. So it's all Bible on this side and blank for note writing on this side, exactly like Edwards. That's cool. So I'm in the process right now of taking a ton of my other notes and trying to move them into the blank Bible. Because eventually for me, the blank Bible is gonna be like Edwards, that basic storage container for most information, just commentary on, on the scripture. So I'm doing that too. 
Yeah, that's a big project. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I want to ask you also just, uh, I want to ask you more than just about Edward, some more stuff about you personally and, and some of your systems. But before we do that, um, another question on Edwards. Uh, how, what other ways is he, his life, a good example to Christians who are seeking to maximize the effectiveness of their life? Well, in some ways, he's an example, and in other ways, he might be a counterexample. Hmm. So in terms of an example, there's no question that Edwards was entirely devoted his entire life to the study, the understanding, and the proclamation of the good news of the gospel as expressed in the inspired and infallible scriptures. So if you're looking for something to captivate your attention and your heart for the rest of your life, you can't do better than Edwards's absolute devotion, spending most of every day studying God's word and uh, trying to understand it, and apply it to his church in the form of his sermons and other writings. So you say, well, how could that possibly, you know, what could go wrong? Well, one of the big critiques of Edwards um, is that in his, his absolute fascination with scripture, he, he can be critiqued in that he didn't have as much interest in the people in his church hmm. necessarily as, as individuals. And so some people would say that though Edwards was a genius and a theologian and a philosopher, his great error was in neglecting in some ways, the common needs of his people. Many of his church members thought that he was cold. Um, he could be, be described as unpleasant to be around. Those who knew him very well described him as one of the most kind and gentle men that they'd ever met. And so it's not that he had a hard heart or an austere personality that was unloving, far from it. But he certainly did not spend as much time visiting his people, um, caring for their needs, developing friendships and relationships as certainly modern pastors would probably stress. In our day, um, it's, it's almost a death knell to a ministry if you're, if you're viewed as having removed interests from the common struggles and difficulties of your people. That would be a problem because to be a pastor, you know, we we're called to love our people. And I'm not saying that Edwards didn't love his people. I do think he did, but there is quite a bit of anecdotal evidence that he was perceived by his people as a little bit um, either too, too heady. He's up here in the ivory tower um, and possibly just not quite attentive to congregational concerns. And ultimately, the irony is that in 1753, or 50, I'm, I'm losing my dates here, I think it's 1750, he was dismissed from his congregation. He sort of lost the momentum with his people for a number of reasons, but that would be one area where we could say, eh, probably best not to to model him there. Yeah, and you could see that being broadly applicable even to people that aren't ministers, but you know, you can become so obsessed even with your work and trying to, you know, be the best at it and be as, as productive and efficient as you can that you actually neglect your other responsibilities. 
any even any student of the word of God, you can really dig into it and become very, very, you know, immersed in it and fail to apply it, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that could certainly be the case. And so when Edwards was dismissed, they had a controversy about communion. Um, by that point, he had so removed himself into the realm of, of theory uh, in theology and, um, you know, these kind of things that I don't think the, the common people in the church felt that he was the warm, loving pastor that perhaps they wished that they had had. Mm. Uh, and ultimately, some trusts were you know, let down. Now, there were some other complexities there because there were some family tensions, um, greater family, I mean, not within his family. All the evidence suggests that he really loved his wife and his kids, and he was a great dad and a great husband. Uh, but there was definitely some political tensions that led to that, that fallout. And perhaps if he had spent more time ministering carefully, interpersonally, some of those controversies would have been lessened. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, for me personally, Edwards has been a big influence, even in my interest in this topic. His, um, if it was a sermon or if it was an essay on the on the preciousness of time and the importance of redeeming it. That was mm -hmm. very foundational for me. And then, of course, his uh, his resolutions that single minded devotion to trying to squeeze the most out of this life for Christ as you possibly can. Um, how does that play into your own thinking about, you know, how you're, you're trying to make the most of your life uh, for Christ as a, as a pastor and as, as a man with your family and things like that? Yeah, I think in every way, because, um, well, actually, if your listeners are interested in reading something about Edwards or from him, probably a good place to start would be the 70 resolutions. It's actually a subject that's captivated my attention, and I'm writing a book on the resolutions to come out next year with Hendrickson nice. Press, so I look forward to that perhaps. But the resolutions have always captured me because they are so focused on the brevity of life and um, the, the greatness of eternity. There are several resolutions related to the brevity of time um and the life to come even thinking on death itself and how it is hastening on for all of us and so therein lies the key to productivity because um you know obviously the purpose of life is not to work so hard that you grind your fingers into the gears and you know you you you're worn out and uh you know all used up but at the same time there is a, the reality that, hey, man, we only get like 90 years, you know, best case scenario, like 90, more like 75 for most people, who knows, possibly even far less. Um, and so Edwards has this, this motif running throughout that life is short and you have to live now to the glory of God. And only the fool would waste the short time that he has squandering it. Um, we're made to glorify God and to love others and serve his church. And so if I only have a short life, well, then I want to be as productive as possible, wasting as little time as necessary so that I can get on to the things that really matter in life, which is God, Christ, his word, his church, his people, my family, those sorts of things. So I think that really ties in directly to the area of productivity because productivity by definition is about wasting as little time as possible. 
That makes sense. Yeah, and I know you've written on on time. I I was reading one of your articles uh, just this week that you wrote for Modern Reformation on time, and it it, it really is that exactly as you're saying, it's directly tied. That is the point. That's why I want to be productive. There's not much time. And I know with Edwards as well, he, he would, he would emphasize the, the brevity of time, but also why you had to make the most of the time you have here. And he, he would emphasize, you know, of course, glorifying God and then even heavenly reward, you know, trying to get the most of heaven while he's, how he's able um, yeah, you, you remember a second ago, I was talking about images of divine things where Edward yeah. sees spiritual realities and common things. One of mine um, is the idea of the hourglass. This isn't mm-hmm. necessarily brought up in scripture, but just something I've been thinking about, that your life is very much like an hourglass. At the bottom is the sand that's already come and gone. That's the past. Um, in the middle is the present, the grains that are quickly, you know, falling through that tiny little tube. And then the top is your future. And while we can't change the past, we can have it forgiven. Um, And we have to live in the present moment because that's the way this thing called time works in, you know, succession between, you know, the future turns into the present, turns into the past. But the real mystery of it is that we don't know how much sand is in the top of that chamber. It could be very little, it could be very much. But either way, um, we, we want to get on to the things that really matter in this life, which again is Christ and his word and his church and the people that we love. Right, absolutely. Um, switching gears a little bit here, um, you've talked to us a little bit about the your, your own miscellaneous journal, um, your uh, your blank Bible and, and how you use your own Bible. What are some of the other things that, you like kind of carry with you every day that relate mm-hmm. to productivity and, and how you, um, you know, try to maximize your, your effectiveness. Well, one thing that I have that Edwards did not have is a computer and a phone. And so while all of the things that I've mentioned so far that I've modeled are paper and pen type stuff, I do have a few advantages that I can employ And so I have some other systems of categorizing information that do involve the computer. So I have a couple of notebooks, um, again, similar to Edwards. I have three notebooks that are entirely on my computer, and that's just because it's more practical. I have one system called Notes on Theology, where I have an entire systematic theology, just an outline form, not written out, but just an outline form. And by the way, I'll give anybody that for free. It's a PDF, almost 200, almost 300 pages now, just notes on, on theology now given from a Presbyterian reformed perspective. Um, But just that's helpful for teaching and uh, in preaching. So I have a whole series of outlines that I've been keeping for years now on theology. I've recently started a second one on philosophy because I just find philosophy very interesting. So that notebook is only about 40 pages in outline form right now. So I intend to keep adding to that. And then I have a third one. And this is, I think you, if you're a preacher, do this tomorrow, okay? I have a third one called my digital miscellanies. And the digital miscellanies are basically all of my best sermon illustrations ordered alphabetically by topic. So A, abortion, uh, adoption, 
whatever, just going through the alphabet and I have one simple word, what it's about, and then a brief paragraph about what the sermon illustration is. So whenever I think of a great sermon illustration, I just pop it in my digital miscellanies alphabetically. And then let's say you're preaching on the law of God, just for instance, you go to L, you look at law and you're like, oh man, I've got these three cool illustrations that I can use for my sermon. Brilliant. So, yeah, what do you nice. use for that? If you don't mind me asking, is it, do you use Word yeah. or do you use some other software? Okay. So, um, I say this carefully, <laughs> but I, now this is not a commercial, but I use Google products because, because they're everywhere. They're on my phone. They're free. They're on my laptop. So I primarily use Google docs and I use one called Google keep, which is kind of like Evernote. Um, but it syncs with my, you know, my phone and my computer. And let's say I'm on the fly. I'm in my car and um, I come up with a great sermon idea. I don't want to be able to have to open up my whole theology notebook because it's going to take me forever to find page 129 where it's going to go. So I just pop it down real quick on my Google Keep notes. And then later when I'm sitting down, then I'll throw five or six, seven of them at a time into the, into the greater outlines. Now, this is where I think Edwards would be so jealous because Edwards did not have the capability of using digital stuff where it can just keep expanding ad infinitum because Edwards had to turn pages. He couldn't yeah. really jam something into a certain paragraph. And so a lot of his stuff, you know, he does it the way he does it for that reason. Well, I know they have some yeah, stuff of his where he had written on like both sides of the piece of paper and then written over upside down over it in several times because he yeah. didn't have enough paper, right? Yeah, and a lot of his his notebooks, it's kind of hilarious because they're made out of church fans, you know, the kind of fans that women use to, to fan themselves off. He would take those, flatten them out, iron them out, and stitch them into notebooks. And so they're all kinds of weird shapes and stuff like that because he just had to use whatever paper he could find. That's so cool. Now, I know that you, you recently did a video on um, basically advice on productivity and I, I loved so much of what you were sharing in there. Um, you had, you, you're a pastor as we've talked yeah. about. Yeah. And I think one of the uh, blessings and curses of being a pastor is that it is your day is kind of up to you to schedule um, mm -hmm. and your week as well. And that can be hard for some people if they're not disciplined and the time can get away from them. And there's a lot of other professions that are that way too, where it's up to you and you alone. No one's breathing down your neck and saying, you need to be here at this time, here at this time. So maybe talk about some of the ways that you uh, maximize your days and your weeks to be the most effective. Well, you could probably sense that um, I tend towards the orderly. And in, in fact, possibly even mildly OCD, I, I joke about. And so I'm not the kind of person that appreciates um, <laughs> chaos very much in my life. I'm very regimented when it comes to time, especially, and then even like space and things like that. I, I try to keep everything under control. So very early on in my ministry, uh, I've been a pastor for almost 20 years now or so, I decided just to structure my week. And so every week has a basic structure. Built on the Lord's Day, uh, Sunday is, is the main day. That's the day that we worship, uh, we gather as people. So everything revolves around Sunday and points to Sunday. Uh, but Monday is my day off. Um, Tuesday, I begin 
prepping for my midweek message. Uh, Wednesday, I start outlining for my sermon. Uh, Thursday is my main sermon writing day. I just try to do nothing but sermon writing on Thursday. Uh, Friday, Saturday for meeting people and you know fixing up things that didn't get done. And then, um, then you get to the Lord's Day. So everything's kind of revolving around the Lord's Day. But I like to structure every day in what I call thirds, or the rule of the thirds. And that's basically like, look, so we have to work full time as pastors, right? Because our people pay us to work pretty hard. And so I try to think of every day as it's three parts and two of those should probably be work. And, but if I'm not careful, then it all could be work. And so I don't want to make the, the error that Edwards did perhaps. And so I want to make sure that at least a third of my day, every day is for my wife and for my family. And so on a common day, you know, the first two thirds are for work and then you come home in the evening and spend some time with your family. But it doesn't always work like that as a pastor. Sometimes you have to make an early hospital run and, uh, or sometimes you have nothing in the middle of the day, but you have an evening that's kind of soaked up with meetings or whatever. So I just shift those two thirds around so that I'm usually working two thirds of the day and then another third of the day is with my family. And if you're honest with, your, with yourself, you can do a lot in two thirds and you can be a really good dad and husband if you devote just a third of your day to quality time with your family and then use your days off wisely. So, so my weeks kind of have a, a pretty familiar rhythm to them. Oh, that makes sense. Hey, yeah. One of the things I thought was fascinating too is that you take naps, which you, <laughs> yeah. it, it almost seems counterintuitive. You know, somebody who's uh -huh. regimented and, and trying to be really productive, you know, be like naps seem like something that a lazy person would do. I so know, right? How'd you get into taking naps and why do you do it? And how, how, how long are they? I'm curious. Yeah, yeah I'm a napper. Um, <laughs> I take my nap most days around three o'clock in the afternoon. And that's because I find that my brain is just kind of done. You know, I, I come to the point where my sentences, if I'm trying to write something, just aren't really clear. Um, you know, you just kind of get that brain fog where you just, or you physically feel tired. And so what I tend to do is I'll lay down for about 20 minutes. And I find that if, if my brain shuts off for even five of those 20 minutes or maybe 10, that I wake up totally refreshed. And it's like, I've just, it's kind of like when on your computer, you know, you have to restart it every once in a while. And so the nap just totally wakes me up. So here's a tip that some people find helpful and I, I will do this too. Uh, and it sounds counterintuitive, but if you have to wake back up and be ready to go again, what you want to do is you want to drink your coffee right before you fall asleep. Before. Yes. Before you take your nap, because it takes, it takes the body about 20 minutes to hit that caffeine buzz. And so while you're coming down into your nap, um, you'll, you'll fall into a sleep and then your caffeine will wake you up in about 20 minutes. And then you're just ready to go because your brain is refreshed and you're, and you're freshly caffeinated. So I know it sounds counterintuitive, but drink a cup of coffee right before you fall asleep and you'll feel amazing when you get up. <laughs> <laughs> That's great advice. Um, so I got one more question for you and we'll, and we'll wrap it up. Sure. But uh, here's the question. Mm -hmm. Your morning routine. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I'm a big believer in morning routines and evening routines and just kind of something that's really 
regimented. Do you have a standard kind of ideal morning routine that you try to go through? And maybe you could walk us through what you do when, when you wake up, what you do before you, you get into your day in earnest. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely do. The day, uh, the day begins in the morning, and so does my, my productive mind. I find that my mind, as soon as I wake up, is extremely fresh and, and ready to start um, working on tasks of the day. So it goes like this. I, I wake up somewhere between uh, five and six in the morning. Now it's a little bit after six because of my kids' school times. Um, my day begins with about an hour or 45 minutes of Bible reading and note taking. So I'm reading the scriptures and I'm also taking notes in my, my blank Bible. Uh, then I move to some things that I have to do. I have to start waking the kids up. I have a couple different bus times that I'm attentive to. I like to get the dog walked uh, because my deal with my wife is I'll walk the dog early in the morning, but she has to walk him late before bed. So that's kind of how we do the trade-off there. Uh, and then I, I will do an exercise too. I'll, I'll usually go for a run in the morning or I'll do some kettlebells. I like to do a workout in the morning. because again, I just feel fresh. Uh, then I'm, I'm getting my shower, I'm getting dressed and I'm off to work and to the office by nine. So I've already spent a couple of really good hours uh, thinking, praying, writing, studying, tending to family, and uh, getting my keeping my body just working at this point. I'm 43. I'm not going to win any, uh, you know, weightlifting championships, but I do want to keep keep myself moving. And I'll tell you what, man. If I have a good morning, the whole day goes well. And if the morning routine is thrown off. <laughs> anybody's bed as to what's going to happen that day so a big believer in morning routine for sure yeah same here i'm right there with you yeah um actually i said that was the last question i want to ask you this one uh one more just a short one sure if if you could uh send a message out to every true believer uh maybe you can get everyone's everyone on a group text message you could Uh send one text to every true believer in this country, or we could even say the world, and you knew that they'd read it, what would you say? Ooh, gosh, text message? Man, I don't know, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, I'll just throw something out here that maybe ties the whole conversation back. Um, one of Edwards's resolutions of the 70 was resolved to live with all my might while I do live. It's just one of the shorter ones, but man, is that one profound. Um, Resolve to live with all my might while I do live. All my might, of course, being a reference to the greatest commandment to love God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, uh, to live for God's glory. But also that short phrase, while I do live, is important too, because there again, we touch on the concept of the brevity of life. And we certainly do not want to be the kinds of people where life just kind of moves by you, you know, with days and weeks just kind of unaccounted for. Uh, Obviously, we're saved by grace through faith, but we we do have this amazing gift in the brevity of life. And uh, I think Edwards gives us this beautiful heritage of trying to use all of it every last drop for the glory of god so that's that's what i'd say i suppose 
Well, Matt, thanks so much for taking the time and, and joining me today. Uh, this has been a very fruitful conversation. Uh, I'm excited uh, about it. I know I've gained a lot and I'm sure my listeners will as well. Um, if you guys are interested in checking out Matt's stuff, look up his YouTube channel. I'll link to that. But if you look up Matthew Eberhard on YouTube, he's got a ton of stuff on Edwards, on uh, far-ranging topics uh, that, that I'm sure you guys will find beneficial. I'm a subscriber to that. You can also check out his writing on Modern Reformation. And you've written several books too, haven't you? Yeah, I mentioned the dissertation about joy. That's that is uh, in public format as a as a book. It's not so much in the dissertation format, but it, you can read Edwards on happiness. It's called a theology of joy. If you're interested. Well, great. Thanks so much, Matt. Hope you have a productive rest of your day. You too. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. Um, I know I did. I got a ton out of it, and I'm already trying to implement some of the stuff that uh, we talked about in our discussion. Uh, do check out Matthew Everhard's YouTube channel. I've got a link down there into the, the description. There's tons of excellent videos that I think you guys are really going to like. Hey, and you know, if you like this podcast, you might also like my newsletter. Uh, it's just this twice weekly newsletter. On Wednesdays, I send out some different articles, uh, a brief little update. And if I've had new videos, new podcasts, new blog posts come out, you can find out all about that in there. And on Fridays, it really gets interesting because that is my Reagan's Roundup feature where I take five to six different articles or things I found around the internet that I think will be helpful to you in your journey to becoming a more productive Christian. So check it out. It is the Redeeming Productivity newsletter. You can find it at redeemingproductivity.com newsletter. And if you are interested in supporting Redeeming Productivity via Patreon, do not forget to check out patreon.com redeemingprod. A link is in the description. Well, that is all I have for you this week. Thank you again for tuning in. Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Appreciate you guys. If you have anything at all, you can email me anytime, just reagan at redeemingproductivity.com. And I always love hearing for you, from you, for you, from you. Yes. All right. Well, I will see you again here next week, Lord willing. But until I do, remember this in whatever you do, do it well and do it all to the glory of God. Mm-hmm.